read, beginning in verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11, through the end of the chapter. Our focus this glorious day will be verses 27 through 34. But I want to keep the whole thing in contact, context so that we kind of understand what we've been dealing with. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. There must, for there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. And when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining manners, matters I will arrange when I come. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to long. Father, as we sing, let us cast down our idols. Let us not present our soul to another. Father, let us hear your word. Let us embrace your word. Let us cherish your word. Let it be the fabric of our souls. Father, change our hearts this moment, this time. Conform us, mold us, give us that purpose, that purpose of being Christ-like. Father, take this text. If we need to be overwhelmed, let us be overwhelmed. If we need to be convicted, allow us to be convicted. But Father, if we need repentance, grace us repentance. Father, allow us to walk worthy. Grace us with that privilege. Grace us with that power 
and grace us with that purpose. To your praise, to your glory. In Christ's name, amen. This is the sixth message that we're dealing with in this text. I know three points, but that's how I do it sometimes. And I, I want to sort of let this fit into what we've studied. The first seven chapters of the first Corinthians has dealt with what Paul has heard. Somebody from the church of Corinth had explained to Paul, Paul is in Ephesus at the time of the writing of this letter, and he has heard some troubling things from the church in Corinth. I want you to understand something. There are no doctrinal issues in the church in Corinth. Okay, there's not a teaching of false deities, a teaching of who was Christ or anything like that. But what has happened to the church in Corinth is what has happened to the church in America. Instead of the church influencing the society, the society has influenced the church. And Paul is writing to correct that. And he says, you need to understand something. In those first seven chapters, one of the key texts is, natural man cannot understand the things of God. They are spiritually discerned. And natural man, a person who is not saved, does not have the spirit of God and is dead to the things of God. You've got to grab a hold of that. I see us getting all geared up, uh, mad at politicians and lost people for the way they act. How are they supposed to act? That's their nature. You can't change that. And yet when it comes to the church, we don't say anything. And that's where our battle is. That's where our battle is. The church in America has lost discernment. There is no discernment. Uh, and if you bring it out and you, you lay it before somebody and says, but this is what the word of the Lord says, then you are divisive, you're mean-spirited, and da, 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 all the rest of it, all of the other things that I've been called. So anyway... All right, so in the first seven chapters, he's dealing with what he's heard. There's divisions, there's immorality, uh, there is self-centeredness. Um, Spiros Zodiades called it, there are people cults, personality cults. I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am, go down the line. And you hear those kind of things. Then, beginning in chapter 8, he deals with a question. And they're asking about idolatry. How does that affect us? Corinthians had the, the Corinthian church was inundated with a culture of idolatry, very much like you and I are inundated with. But they had temples to it. We don't necessarily have temples, but we have a lot of stuff that we will worship. That, let me give you the word worship. Worship is what is it worth? Okay, How much worth do I put into it? Okay, and you think about what we worship today. We worship education. We can worship our spouse. Or we will worship our spouse before we get married. But then afterwards it becomes, you know, that's a, it's a temple. No, but uh, uh, we worship all kinds of things. We can worship sports teams. We can worship hobbies. We can worship, um, I've seen people who will worship their children. Uh, worship their jobs. Worship retirement. Worship whatever. Their freedom. You know, and I, I taught a text dealing with uh, don't let your freedom master you. And, and we are freer, Christians are freer than any people on the planet Earth, regardless of our temporal situation. And that's what we deal with. And stuck right here is what I call the celebration of the Lord's table. Now, you have to understand something. The Gospels, at the writing of 1 Corinthians, the Gospels have not been written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the first recorded text dealing with the celebration, the remembrance 
of that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem before he was arrested and murdered. And so this text has a lot of power to it because this is the first letter that deals with it. So he's beginning to deal with the issues that the, issues that the Corinthians, the believers that were in the Corinthians church were dealing with. And we looked at this, and in 18 through 21, we see that there is a perversion of the Lord's table. A perversion. But you need to understand that he dealt with this in chapter 10. In chapter 10, beginning at verse 14, Therefore, remember what therefore is. It's a summary. My beloved, flee idolatry. And that's what he's dealing with is idolatry. He says you need to run from it. Run from it. Why? I speak to you as wise men. You judge. He says you know this. You know this. You judge. You're aware of this. This is evident to you. You've heard it taught. You've seen it lived. What I say. Then here's what he says. Is not the cup of the blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Okay, it was common in the birth of the church, in the early times of the church, that they would partake of the Lord's table every time they gathered. It was not uncommon for the church to gather on a daily basis, and it was not uncommon for the church to gather and have partake of the Lord's table. The remembrance of His death for you, for me. And this is what he's saying here. Remember that oneness that is there. Jesus' great prayer in John 17. He says, Father, that they be one as you and I are one. God graced me with the privilege this week to watch that happen. A church that I was dealing with down in uh, Colorado Springs. One of the elders had been asked to resign by six families in the church. And they asked me to come down and talk to the elders and ask about this. And it's a long story. But I met with the elders in the morning, and it was a wondrous time. Uh, we shared, we prayed, we looked at Scripture together and all the rest of it. The secretary came in with this little smile on her face, and she says, the six families are here. And they all looked at me and said, Terry, go in and talk to them. And I was like, what? I, I, I ain't in this church. I got problems in my own church. I don't need to deal with yours. I went and talked with these people. You know what? I blessed my socks off. Here were six, 12 people, husband and wives, who literally took time from their jobs, told their employers that their church is very important to us. We have a conflict in it, and we want to speak to this man on this conflict, and I will be gone for a few hours. Husband and wives. They all walked in. You know what scared me to death? They all had their Bibles. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. But you know what they did? They said, can we sit down and reason together from the Scriptures? on why we believe that this elder should resign and you help us to understand. By the time I finished with that group, they were weeping, they were praising God, the elders came out and there's a great joyous celebration in, this, in the auditorium where this church meets on celebrating what God had united back together again. You know what? I didn't do anything. I think it was for me. It was for me, because I'll be honest with you, senior pastor here for over 11 years, to be walking with my king for about 18 years, um, I ain't never seen that happen. I've never heard of it happening. I didn't think it was possible to happen. And all of a sudden God said, oh, sure, it's possible. When my people bow before my book, when my people really listen to what my spirit says. I know a lot of people say, well, the spirit is leading me to what? Okay, well, I just want to go there, and I know that the Spirit would be leading me. Or at least He'll be following close behind. 
And that, that was one of the things that I see. What happens in bodies of Christ today? There's division. Why? I'm not sure he knows what he's talking about. I'm not sure about that. That just don't seem right. Why? They perverted it. And 10, do you understand that he comes out of there speaking of the Lord's table and he starts with this? No temptation is overtaking you except that that is common to man. No trial, no testing has come to you that is not common. But the Lord is faithful, isn't he? And he will show you through these temptations, these trials, these pressings of you. That he is faithful. Why? He says, the cup of the blessing we are sharing is the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break sharing in the body of Christ. He says, how can you come to the Lord's table and not be one? How can you come to the Lord's table and not be one? Let me tell you something. With the death on the cross, how can you have an agenda? You ever thought about that? And when you take to the Lord's table, you know what you're saying? I'm going back to the cross. I'm going back to the cross. I heard a story where uh, a guy, uh, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, not Adrian Rogers, their first pastor. I love this guy because his name is R.G. Lee. Okay, ain't that, wasn't he a general? Okay, anyway. But R.G. Lee was in, had gone back to Israel. Okay, now this is a long time ago. Okay, because he was getting ready to fight the war of the south. No, just kidding. No, but uh, uh, he, he went back to Israel and he wanted his guide to take him up to the top of Golgotha. There's a church up there now. But he says, I want you to take me up to the top of Golgotha. And he got up there and the guide was behind him. And when he got up there, Lee took his hat off and began weeping. Just crying his eyes out. And the guy says, the guide says, you've been here before? And he says, yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. He says, when were you here before? He said, 2,000 years ago. My God died for me here. When you partake of the Lord's table, you're going back 2,000 years ago and saying, on that cross where I should have hung, Jesus hung in my stead. When that cross, that as something that I had no ability to even identify, let alone overcome, Jesus identified it and died and paid the price for me on that cross. How in the world can you be disunified in light of that? How can you not get along? How can you have an agenda? How can you have something against a brother or a sister? And that's what Paul's dealing with this church. That's amazing stuff. They had perverted this. They had perverted this. But then he showed us, and we looked at this, in verses 23 through 26, the purpose of this. I'm going to go back to this thing real quick because he says, that I received this from the Lord. He says, I want you to understand something. I didn't make this up. This isn't something that I thought, you know, this would be really nice if we would remember his death. He said, I received this where? From the Lord. This is what the Lord said. Have you ever asked yourself, what is God's will? Anybody ever asked I wonder what God's will for me is. Okay? This is God's will right here. This is what it says. What does it say? I received from the Lord. I delivered to you. Okay? He's saying, listen, people, you know this. I delivered this to you. I've already brought it to you. The night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he'd given thanks. He broke it. And he said what? This is my body. Okay, when you hear that word, body, understand the emphasis is all of that he is. 
His body is not... You know, we, get, we get tied up in this thing and we say, well, that, that was just before he got beaten and he got the thorn of crowns and he was scourged and he was crucified. No, nope, that ain't what he's talking about. He's saying, I am talking about at that moment of his virgin conception, his 33 years of life, his burial and his resurrection. So when you hear the body, you're talking about when he dealt with demons, when he dealt with Peter. And there might be a coalition there. Uh, when he raised the dead, when he condemned the Pharisees, you're dealing with all of it. When he walked on water, when he calmed the storm, when they fed the 4,000, when he fed the 5,000, when he did all of those things, that is the body. That When you take a little cracker, you're going back and you're going to... He said, do this remembrance for me. And he says, I want you to bring to a conscious understanding, bring it to a direct reality, all that I am. The incarnation of God. God taking on the veil of humanity to walk, to suffer, to be mocked, and to die in your place. Take all of it. That's the body. That's the body. And he says, then, I want you to do this. Why? It's for you. You got that? Why did... Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Did you know your name is in the Bible? It says, do this. Why? It is for Joshua. It is for Al. It is for Sandy. It is for Allie. It is for Lanny. It is for Jim. It is for all who are known by my name. That's for you. That body. That life. The fact that God said, I'm leaving heaven. I'm going to take on the veil of humanity... This is going to be my son. I will identify him. He will live in sinless perfection and he will die in your place. Do this. Okay? I find that amazing to me. People who take the name of Jesus, they can't understand why. I just don't know what God's doing. And all I have to ask him is, when was the last time you partook of the Lord's table? Well, I've been looking for a church. What the heck does that mean? Well, it's been 10 years since I took of the Lord's table. Well, you couldn't find God's will with both hands and a map. Why? Because the simple thing is, I want you to remember me. When? Often. How often? How often do you want to proclaim His coming? All the time. You know what drives me nuts? Our denomination wants everybody to go out and share their faith. And we have to train you how to do that. Why? If you're saved, what should be the normal outcome? I have the cure for man's disease, but I'm not telling anybody. It's a secret. I don't need to train you. Go tell him what he did. Is it that God, born of a virgin, died in my stead, rose again from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of God? That's complicated. I don't understand that. Just live it. I'm a new creation. I'm free in Christ. You can't stop me. I am intolerable. I have hope that you can't squash. I have joy that is only supernatural. And I have a life that is lived here that is only immortal. And when I'm done, me and Jesus is going to be just like that. He's going to say, well done, true and faithful servant. I'm chosen by God. Do you understand that? I haven't been chosen for the Supreme Court. I haven't been chosen for politics. I have been chosen to be in the family of God. 
And I'm going, I'm just really depressed right now because Dad Garner, you know, just things ain't going right. Gas is like $22 a gallon and I can't do nothing. Whose family are you in? uh, That'll drive you to drinking. I don't understand that. How can you do that? How could a Christian ever be sad about anything? I mean, daggone, I've only got eternal life. Hmm. What a bummer. I don't get it. Well, but you just don't understand, preacher. No, I don't think you understand. Why? The purpose of the Lord's table is to get rid of the clutter in your life. Okay? And I can clear it all out. Why? And I just go sit at the cross. Why? You know what? At the grave, everybody's one. Do you know that? I don't care where you are in society. I don't care what your education is. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much money you don't have. At death, we all get it. But at the death of the cross, guess what? I'm an heir to Jesus Christ. And it's only for eternity. Dad, go on it. How long will that last? Eternity. How long is that? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? When you come to the Lord's table, how many of us here take the Lord's table flippantly? How many of you would walk into the Lord's table and say, well, daggone it, I'm visiting church, or, you know, it's church, and it's first Sunday of the month, we're going to do the Lord's table. That means we're going to have crackers. That means we ain't going to get out until 1 o'clock because he's going to have that same old long message, and we're going to have that 10 or 15 minutes to do the Lord's table, and everything's going to be a mess. How many of you bring back to remembrance the fact that God left his throne incarnate as a man in his son, Jesus Christ, and he did it for you? How much clutter can you really have? Burn the pot roast. That's why God created smoke detectors. It ain't that complicated. It's for you. I'm going to give you another verse again because we touched it last week. Hebrews 9, 15 through 20 says this. For this reason, he is a mediator of a new covenant. The literally, I, I, I hate the, this mediator, but literally it means a lawyer. He intercedes. Okay, you know what a lawyer does, right? Here you've got this person who's been convicted, and he has to go to the judge. Jesus is your judge, or, or your lawyer. He is the mediator. He goes between you and who? God the Father. Okay, and he says he is a mediator of a new covenant. He has oversight over this new promise. A death has taken place for the what? Redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant. What's the first covenant? That's the law. God said, here's my standard. Okay, how are you doing? You know, that's that. Just make it simple. The Ten Commandments. Just do the first one. Have no other gods before me. Okay? That's not that complicated, is it? Well, until I wake up. All right? But he says, because of those committed under the first covenant... Those who have been called may receive what? The promise of the eternal inheritance. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For, if, for it is never in force when the one who made it is alive. Who made the covenant? Jesus Christ. So to operate the covenant, what had to happen? He had to die. Did he do that? Absolutely. So now what's he doing? He's a mediator. Do you know what is amazing about this text? When I stumble and sin, immediately the mediator says, Father, I took care of that one. 
that quick. I mean, I don't have to call up my lawyer, spend $92 or $122 a minute and explain to him that I did this again. Immediately, that quick, he says, I've covered that one. Okay, do you understand what it means? It's not saying, well, you're going to be on probation. That ain't what he's saying. You're innocent. You're innocent. That's all. Well, what do you mean you're innocent? Well, you're innocent. Okay, you ever seen people walk around guilty? Okay, yeah, but you just don't understand what I did. No, you don't understand what Jesus did. Okay? We do that. I, well, I see people, oh, you know, I'm battling depression because of a previous, you know, my way I grew up and I was of a dysfunctional family and I was this and that and the other. And I sit there and go, Jesus was born to a dysfunctional family. His mother was a sinner and his, God, his father was God. How dysfunctional can you be? I mean, how would you like to have been one of his brothers or sisters? Daddy loves Jesus more than me. Jesus is just perfect. Okay? How would you like to have been one of his kids? How would you like to have been Joseph, his earthly father? Raised one kid that never needed spanking. Right? But I watch us, and what happens? The influence of our society runs over us, and Christ is sitting in heaven saying, why won't they hear? Which brings me now to the preparation. How do I prepare for this? Why? He says, do this. Okay? He says, do this. When? Often. Often. Do this. Why? I want you to remember me. I want you to understand the blood of the covenant. I want you to understand you've been bought and paid for with the price. I want you to understand that you're not your own. I want you to understand that sin is dead in you. No longer does it reign. It doesn't have control in your life. Why do you keep wanting to make it control you? Why do you keep fleeing back to the old idol? Why do you want to go back to the Lucifer? Verse 27, Therefore, okay, he's summarizing. Therefore, I'm summarized. Look what he says there. He, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner... Antiochs, Antiochs, that's the word, Antiochs. Um, it, it is a very serious word in secular Greek. It, he's literally saying, if you treat this uncommon thing commonly in an unworthy manner. You hear what I just said? To come and partake of the Lord's table is an uncommon thing. If you treat it commonly. Um, let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> Has anybody here been fervent in prayer? Okay, you're praying, and, and you're sitting there praying, and Lord, I just lift up the missionaries in Ethiopia and all that other stuff that we pray for. And about halfway through the prayer, all of a sudden comes cruising through, I need to go to the grocery store. Uh, I need to go get the oil changed in my car. Huh? Anybody ever prayed like that? Okay. <clears throat> you just treated prayer commonly. Okay, right? Right? It ain't that big a deal. When you partake of the Lord's table and you're sitting there thinking, boy, I hope my son doesn't take that Lord's table because he's just been a jerk this week. He hadn't cleaned his room up or he hadn't done anything. Yes, Lord, I thank you for the bread. You know what you just did? 
No, 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 not your son, not your child, not your spouse, not your co-worker. You just partook of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Your attitude, your issues just showed up as more important than the cross of Calvary. Now then, think about it for a second. Now I'm supposed to do this all the time. Now I'm never going to do it. Why? Because I always have them thoughts. Boy, I hope that guy back there ain't taking the Lord's table because I'd hate to see him fall over dead. Right? And what did you just say? Let me give you some reasons. I got five reasons why the Corinthians were taken in an unworthy manner. Treating the table of the Lord unworthy. <clears throat> One, ignoring it rather than obeying it. Ignoring it rather than obeying it. Okay? He says, see, this is where you get this. This is one of them catch 22 things. I better have a right attitude, right motive at the Lord's table because I'm supposed to take the thing. Have you ever seen this? Well, I just had a bad week. I can't take the Lord's table. You ever seen that? You know what that problem is? You just treated the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. You're saying the gift of the cross wasn't good enough for you. Dude, will that run over you? Does that step on your toes? It got mine, buddy. Pam, 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 pam. All ten of them individually. Why? Because I've seen people who say, I can't partake of it. Why? Well, I've just been bad. Well, I had a bad thought. I had this. I had that. Then go to the table. Examine yourself. Here's one of the things. How many of us ignore it? How many of us look at the Lord's table as, well, it's the first of the month and we're supposed to be taking the Lord's table? Ah, I'm not going to be there. No big deal. What is the priority in your life right now for the Lord's table? Communion, whatever you want to call it. What's the priority? Do you look on your calendar and say, here's the first Sunday of the month. My fellowship partakes of the Lord's table and I'm going to have a vacation, but I think I'm going to take my vacation on the second Sunday of the month so that I don't miss the celebration of the Lord's table. Did you know that on the planet Earth, there's no greater point of time where there's an absolute oneness than the celebration of the Lord's table? So if I ignore it, it's, I'm saying that it's irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. It's just a sacrament thing, isn't it? It's not important to me. You've done it in an unworthy manner. That's what the Corinthians do. Second thing, <clears throat> making it a performance. Making it a performance. Well, I'm supposed to be there. It's a performance. It's something. Do you understand that it's the meaning of it? You'll have to get the tape or the CD or whatever. Okay. I see people who just go through it rather than understanding what it's for. Third thing the Corinthians were doing wrong. Making it a saving thing rather than a communing thing. I see people who believe and there's a great huge denomination that teaches that as you have to go take the mass and it's the Lord's table, and you have to do that, and it will maintain your salvation. Okay, and they've got some other things that are wrong about it. But it is not a saving thing. It is a communing thing. It's a communication thing. I bring to focus right here. It just comes right into me. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Okay? I don't have to worry about whether my wife's taking the Lord's table. My kids are taking the Lord's table. My, you know, the, one of the elders is taking I don't have to worry about that. Why? It's between me and him. Why? This is my body, which is for... All these people. And that's not what it says. It is for you. It's a communing thing. It's you and Jesus. 
It's you and Jesus. It clears out the clutter. It's a communing thing. There's a misunderstanding. It doesn't save you. It commits you. It commits you. It gives me a chance to reevaluate myself. Where have I been this week? Lord, I am so sorry that this last month, man, I had just kind of turned my back on you. I wandered away. I feel like the Jews who'd come out of Babylonian captivity. I was worried about the paneling in my house and my food and all the rest of it. Fourth thing, <clears throat> treating it as a ceremony, something we're supposed to do, then a personal experience. There should be an amazing point of contact between you and God at the Lord's table. Okay, have you ever heard these people talk about, well, I remember talking to a lady, <clears throat> I went to Israel. And I said, well, that's good. And she said, <clears throat> God was there. All right. Um, I t- thought he was everywhere, but fine. Um, you know. But anyway, and she said, uh, and, and, and a cloud come overhead. And I said, that's, that's amazing in Israel because that's a desert. Uh, but, and she said, and it, it swirled around and moved around, and it was the angels. Well, how do you know it was an angel? Well, because the cloud was moving. You're not from Colorado, are you? Clouds move all the time. I think the angels are on their way to Israel. Okay, why? How many people do you know right now are looking for a personal experience with Jesus Christ? I want to feel something. Okay? I know all kinds of people. That was what she was trying to get at. Well, the cloud, I seen it. It was there. You know what? <clears throat> I was in Israel, and I don't ever remember looking up at the sky because it looked like Los Angeles. Uh, they call that smog. Uh, it's a little bitty country. It's landlocked. And guess what? It's got a ridge that keeps the winds from the coast coming in. And so when you get over into Jerusalem and in the valley and all the rest of it, it is smoggy. Okay, I mean, it, there wasn't anything clear. So I, maybe the lady was seeing a miracle because I couldn't see the sky. The other reason I wasn't really looking that direction. But anyway, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Do you understand the greatest single experience you can ever have knowing the presence, the existence, the awesomeness of God is when you are partaking of the Lord's table? You are one with Jesus Christ and all that He is. And all that he's done. You are taking of that cup and you're saying that cup, that covenant that you bought for me in your blood, the blood of the lamb instead of the blood around the doorpost to keep the angel of death, your wrath, there is no condemnation on my, me at all, ever, never, ever, ever impossible. How much more can you get in an experience with God? You lay it all right there. And he says, this is for you. How many of us take it as a ceremony rather than a personal experience? Fifthly, treating it lightly than treating it seriously. Okay? We've already looked at this. He makes this statement for this reason because some are taking it in an unworthy manner. Some of you are weak. Some of you are sick. And a number are asleep. Okay? Sleep means dead. Okay? You know what? I was reading my Bible, and I read my Bible on a regular basis. I can't find where anybody died because they didn't get baptized. Can you? Anybody see a place in the Bible where it says Billy Bob didn't get baptized and God struck him dead? No. 
But do you know what I do find? People not taking the Lord's table in a worthy manner, God executed them. That's what it says. Well, preacher, you're saying that God just comes down there and smacks people because they're wrong? Yep. (laughs) That's what it says. You know what's scary about this text? He's not dealing with lost people. He's dealing with saved people. Now, let me give you some other instances of an unworthy manner. Come to the table with any bitterness toward any other Christian in any way, shape, or form. You're partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Bitterness toward any Christian in any shape or form. Okay? Any unconfessed sin. Let me expre- explain that to you. Any unconfessed sin. Uh, it doesn't mean that i got to go... We're getting ready to partake of the Lord's table. Let me go through and see. I did this and I didn't do that and I didn't pray. I didn't read my Bible on Thursday. And I... Let's see what I Oh, yeah, that one lady cut me off and I wanted to give her half a peace sign in my heart, but I didn't do it. And, and all that other stuff. He didn't... That's not what he's talking about. He's saying that through your study of Scripture, through the moving of the Spirit in your life, through what maybe a message you heard preached, God pointed out to something in your life that was a sin, and you haven't acknowledged it as a sin. Okay? That's to confess a sin. Confess a sin says, I agree that this is a sin. Okay? So somewhere in the, in the month, and we do it once a month, somewhere in that month that you go back through and God through a message or through a time of teaching or own personal study or prayer or something like that, God exposed something in your life that was an offense to him and you said, that ain't an offense. That's unconfessed sin. Okay? If you're living in any kind of sin that you will not repent from, that's taking the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. You know what that is? Are you into materialism? Do the things of this world just seem really bright and more to be grasped? That's uh, sin. Here's another one. Less than the most loftiest thought about God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Is this the most important thing you got? I was in Russia. Um, you don't ever lay this down. Don't lay it down. If you're going to lay it down, like if you're seated, you lay it on your lap. Don't let it get on the bench or the pew. Okay? And it's kind of weird because uh, I was uh, there uh, preaching in a church in Russia and there's, they were having communion. And here I had my Bible and they have the common cup. And God works mercies. I got to go first. Uh, then I was shocked that it was wine. Oh, gee. Uh, but I was trying to figure out how do I take this cup because they're serving it. They walk down and just give it to you like that. And how do I keep, I can't drop my Bible. And, Here we go. And then it dawned on me that they just hold it up to your lips and go like that. And you just like, ooh, I can keep my hands on my Bible. But I watched all the men and women in the body that I was there worshiping with. They all held their Bibles. They don't lay their Bibles down. Why? They say that is only the word of God. How could you mistreat it? How could you mistreat it? Is the Word of God important to you? You know, people say, well, why do you read the Bible? Because it's important to me. It's important to me. You come with anything less than a total love for the brothers and sisters that are in the body of Christ. (coughs) Then you partake of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. You come with 
those things laying out there. And guess what happens? You know what the result of that is? Read with me. End of verse 27. You shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. You got that? How many of us have ever thought about the Lord's table and thought it serious? Or is it just a cursory thing? It's a ceremony. It's just something you're supposed to do. Do you understand that if you partake of the Lord's body or the Lord's table, the cup and the bread, and you do it unworthy, you are guilty of the body and the blood of Christ? Um, One translation calls this, you are liable for the body and the blood. What does that mean? Well, literally, you're treating him, Christ, the body, and his sacrifice in an unworthy manner. It gets awful, doesn't it? What? Well, I ain't taking the Lord's table ever again. Why? Because I'm... I've heard all this preaching now, and I've got to do this, and I'd go, see, he could just, and the whole thing fall apart right there. Zap, I'm dead. And everybody said, hey, we're unworthy of the Lord's table. Home, 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 home. And then that person would die because they did that. <laughs> then, then the church all of a sudden just got real small. What does it mean? <clears throat> it means... That you are literally partaking in the treatment that Jesus sustained in his three years of ministry. All of it. The ill treatment. Okay? You're treating the totality of Christ's life and death as insignificant. Let me give you a secular Greek understanding of it. And an unworthiness is have you ever been like walking down the sidewalk? And uh, you look down, you see a penny. All right. How many of you pick it up? What if you're walking down the street and you see a $20 bill? How many of you pick it up? Okay. Why won't you pick up the penny? It ain't worth me going like this. That's the same phrase that's used here. If you partake of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, you're saying it is of no value to me to labor at this. It has no, no big deal to me. And yet, the Lord's table is the single greatest point of contact that you have with God. It's kind of like, uh, you ever seen somebody burn a flag? Okay. Seems like they only burn. You never ever see anybody burn a French flag? It's always the American flag. I still haven't figured that one out. But anyway, when they burn a flag, they're not setting flame um, on a cloth. Okay? Um, It's an insult to the country. All right? They are guilty of dishonoring that nation. Same thing if you do in an unworthy manner of the Lord's table. Zodiades said it this way, somebody who tramples the f- <clears throat> with the feet of indifference, unquote. It's not that big a deal. It's a ceremony. It's just a cracker in a little bitty cup. I mean, you can't even get filled with the thing. Okay? It's like the body and the blood that are represented in the cup and the bread 
If I'm guilty of dishonoring that, I'm mocking it, I'm treating it with indifference. There's a hypocrisy that shouts out at the very person of Christ Jesus. It's not that big a deal. Here's one of the things that I, here's how I would describe it. The way I treat the table is how I treat Jesus. Because I think that's what Paul's saying. All right. You know why I, it's amazing to me about that? Paul is basically saying there's so much emphasis on this thing that do you understand that this is a very real encounter with Christ? This isn't some, well, we're just supposed to do this thing. In fact, it's so real that failure to acknowledge this and its reality brings about judgment. Look at verse 28. Must, a man must examine himself. Okay, he must examine himself. You know what that word examine is? Dokimazo. You guys know what that word is. Comes out of James chapter 1 verse 3. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials. Why? Come on. The dokimazo of your faith. I'm proving your faith. When this heartache comes, what do you trust in? When this suffering comes, what do you trust in? Why? And what you trust in is very visual. Everybody's going to see it. And he says here, you need to dokimazo. You need to prove yourself. You need to be intense self-examination. You know what I like about this verse? He says, your life. (laughs) He doesn't say, what about Terry? What about Al? What about my wife? What about my kids? What about that bonehead sitting in the back? What about the people who sleep when he's preaching? That ain't what he's saying. He said, when you partake of the Lord's table, what? You better pay attention. You better be looking at it. And listen, I want you to understand something. This is not talking about your past. You know, I was born. You know, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, he's talking about right now. Your motives. What are your motives? What is your attitude? What is your motive and your attitude toward the Lord? Is he just somebody who's there, sort of? Or is he a priority? You know, think about this. You can't take the name child of God this day. Okay? You who take that name. Do you believe if I seek his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else is taken care of? And if you say yes, because, well, I'm sitting there and you said it. Let me ask you this. Be anxious for for what? Did you know that worrying is a... Ooh, you guys said it. It's not on my tape. It's not on my tape. And let a man examine himself. It's self-examination. Look at your heart. Look at your heart and no one else's. Is there anything there that shouldn't be there? An attitude towards other Christians maybe? How about a carelessness, a flippidness, an indifference? How about entertaining sin? I'm not sinning, I'm just playing with it. Okay? I I see this in young people. How close can I go on a date? What? 
I've seen, I've seen people ask it. How much is too much? What you just asked is too much. My daughter, I love you, sweetie. She wanted a date. She was out in college. She's in California. Dad's here. And she said, uh, this person wants to take her out for a date. And I said, that's fine. And she said, really? And I said, yep. And she said, uh, well, well, I said, just take your Bible, put it right there between the two of you, and he has to get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before he gets to you. If that don't work, tell him I can hit a pumpkin at 500 yards with open sights. <laughs> okay? One of the two ought to deter. Okay? Why? We want to go where? How close? How close? Why would you play with it? Why would you entertain it? Um, unrepentant sin, mocking. Do I mock it? He says, examine yourself, then eat and drink. Why? Verse 29. Why do I need to do this? He who eats and drinks, eats and drinks, nasty word next, isn't it? Okay, if you got King James, I'm going to help you. It may say, drinks condemnation to himself. Okay, the word actually is karema, karema. Okay, uh, there's two words in the in the Greek. There's kata karema, and it seems you see k a t a, kata, that intensifies it. Okay, and then they, they do it with all kinds of things. And then you have karema. Karema should better be translated as chastening, chastening. If you eat and drink in an unworthy manner, you will eat and drink chastening to yourself. Okay, now think about this for a second. Okay. Because you're not treating the reality of Christ with the seriousness, the purity, and the holiness that God has called us to, you're going to get in trouble. Chastened. If, if, you, if, if you don't see the seriousness, if you don't see the sacred, sacredness of the Lord's table, a communing with the body and the blood of the very person of Jesus Christ, you are going to be chastened. You're bringing it about. You're asking for it. You're guilty of dishonoring what the table is about. You will be chastened. Understand this. You will be chastened. You will be. It will come upon you because you have not thought seriously about what you're doing. Okay? You're not discerning the meaning. You're not discerning the significance of the Lord's body. Okay? The result, verse 30 says, there are some who are weak, there are some who are very sick, and a number sleep. Okay? Death is the metaphor for sleep. Okay? In the Lord's chastening of the church in Corinth, there were people who had physical affirmities even to the point of death because what? They were dishonoring the table. They were dishonoring the table. The Greek construction of this, when you see a number sleep, <coughs> means that there was a significant number were dead. Okay, It wasn't that one or two people in the body of people in Corinth were dead. There was a number. Okay, It was noticeable. Okay, <coughs> I don't know how many. I don't know how many, but I want you to think about this for a second. God is executing believers because of the way they're treating the Lord's table. Hear what I said. God is executing believers because of the way they're taking the Lord's table. 
See, there were some in the Corinthian fellowship who abused the Lord's table. Some were weak. Okay, and that literally is what it means. They were weak. They were feeble. There were some who were very sick, very sick, ill, had diseases. Okay, and I read this and I think, but what evil did they do? I mean, I've seen people doing things in denominations and, and pastorates and stuff like that that I think, <clears throat> why? why do you keep that person alive? Here he's saying, the evil of coming to the Lord's table in an irreverent manner. Okay, when I read this and when I'm going through this, I keep thinking, this thing has some seriousness to it. And yet, why? Let me share with you something that I believe. Okay? Ananias and Sapphira. Right? Everybody know who Ananias and Sapphira was? Barnabas, the Sunday before, <laughs> had come in and he had sold some land and he gave all the money from the uh, sale of that land to the church and everybody said, wow, can you believe what Barnabas did? Ananias and Sapphira, they had some land. They said, we're going to sell ours and we'll tell them we give them all the land, but we're not going to give them all the, land, all the money from this land and we'll hold back some because, you know, in case God doesn't come through and I have to buy a condo or something. Right? I believe that Ananias and Sapphira were executed at a communion service. Why do I say that? When did it say they were partaking of the Lord's table and the birth of the church? Every time they came together. They had a communion service and bang! God said, you would lie? And come to my table? That's shattering, don't you think? I'm not sure that isn't true today. That some Christians are weak, are sick, and dead because of how they treated the Lord's table. Why do I say that? Was he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then why wouldn't this hold true? Okay. A remedy. Verse 31. If we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Okay. Now we start moving with krima and kata krima. Right? If you examine yourself, if... if you wouldn't end up in his chastening. You wouldn't end up in self. If you take this self-examination and it will drive you back to verse 28, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to check my heart. I'm going to check my motives. I'm going to check my attitudes. I'm going to check my walk with the king. I'm going to check how I've interacted with the brothers and sisters of Christ. I'm going to check how I've been with the scriptures. I'm going to check how, have I been praying without ceasing? Am I in a desperate place? Do I live in a total dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to check all this. Why? Because I don't want him chastening me. Do you? Do you want your parents and kids? Do you want your parents to be sitting around waiting to whoop you? No. You don't, hey, you know, I've been having nothing happen. I haven't been grounded in G many crickets for three minutes. I think I'm going to go do something to get grounded again. I think I need to get spanked again. I need to get smacked again. And it's the Bible. The book of Hebrews says God chastens those he loves. And you know what else it says? In that same text? He scourges. You know what that word means? I whip the flesh off of those who are my children. And half the time, we deserve it. 
Don't we? How do I treat the Lord's table? If I treat it wrong, you wonder why it, man, it just feels like God has taken a bullwhip to my butt. How are you treating the Lord's table? How are you treating His people? How are you treating the blood of the covenant? Now then, if you go through this, you're sitting there going, I ain't ever going to church again. I'm staying away from the Lord's table. I don't want to be scourged. I don't want, you know, how would you like to just come in? We're having a communion service. Oh, I didn't remember. He's, well, I don't want anybody to see that I'm not taking it. And he said, you can't take it because he said, do it. So I'm supposed to be doing it. And I'm getting ready. I eat the cracker and bam, dead. And I know what they're going to say at my funeral. Terry, come in. He took to the table in an unworthy manner and God executed him right in front of all of us. Right? So how do I get over that? I mean, does that bug you? I mean, I read through this and said, gee, many crackers, I think I'm just going to do right into 12. Just forget the second half of 11. Why? Yeah, we don't really need that. You guys have heard it before. That's why he gives you verse 32. I like it. It's just sort of like, here's grace. But when we are judged, karima, we are disciplined by the Lord. So that we will not be kata karima. Okay? When you are chastened by the Lord, you count it all joy so you know you ain't going to be condemned with those who do not know Him. Do you listen? No Christian, no time under no circumstances will ever be damned with the world. Impossible. I read it to you. Romans 8, verse 1. There is... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is chastening. There is chastening. Let's be realistic. If we're all honest, don't we all need a little chastening? Some of us need a little more than others. Huh? Okay. The worst that could ever happen to a Christian is that you would have the ultimate chastening. And you know what the ultimate chastening does to a Christian? You end up in heaven. You end up in heaven. Of course, you got the rest of the congregation going. Hmm. <laughs> what was up with that? All right. I mean, you think about it. How attentive would the church be if you had an Ananias and Sapphira event? I don't know. It either everybody'd be selling everything and giving it to the church, or no one would ever come back. So you'd have one or the other. The point of this verse is: Look, we are going to be chastened. Period. And the Lord will chasten us. And we should enjoy it. We should look for it. We should long for it. Why? It will do what? Gives you a purpose for life, doesn't it? What is the purpose for life? I read it to you this morning. To be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's my purpose for living. And you know what it takes to get me to that position? Sometimes, now I know you guys have got it all figured out, but sometimes I have to be scourged. Sometimes I have to have the hide just whooped off of me. Why? Because he's saying, you ain't listening. And don't make me come down there. All right? Now, I don't know. You guys got it and you're doing better. But hang on, I'm trying. But anyway, I want you guys to get a hold of this. That's the difference in spiritual maturity. You got to get a hold of this. How many people, when all of a sudden God says, do you trust me? We all go, oh my God. 
All right, as mature Christian says, I trust you and I don't even care, as Job says, if you take my life, I will not forsake you. That's a true Christian. Why? Well, you go to the doctor and you keep thinking, oh boy, he's going to do the blood test and I'm getting close to 50. And you know what that means? It's just downhill from there because they're going to poke and prod and you'll be condemned of everything. Every time I go to the doctors, they tell me I'm sick. And why would I want to go visit you people and pay you so much money? Okay? But you go do this stuff. Why? And then you come back going, oh my Lord. How do you know that it isn't God purifying you to conform you into the image of Christ? Think about what the image of Christ is. Not my will. Yours be done. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes he has to do that for me so that I can see his will. Why? Because I, I, you know, sometimes you do what? I can't be what you're doing. Well, okay, here we go. A Christian should look to the chastening of Christ. You know why we don't like to hear the Bible preach, preached? It exposes you to Jesus. And sometimes there's an odor that comes when I'm exposed, isn't there? And you think, God, how putrid am I? And God says, yeah, I know. You ought to be up here with all rising. He doesn't say that. I was just kidding. Okay. But do you understand that? Why don't people want to hear the Bible expounded? What does it expose? My heart. And when I see my heart, I keep thinking, man, I thought he liked me. He does. He loves you. But you know what? We have an odor to us. We have a flaw. As I've been accused of, you have a character flaw. Yeah, that's why we had a cross. I've never met a human being who doesn't have a character flaw. Why? You were conceived in sin. You don't wake up one morning and say, oops, I've just sinned. Every Christian is under the chastening of the hand of the Lord. Why? That chastening prevents him or her from ever being condemned with the world. And that, somebody said, I don't, I don't feel that good. <laughs> okay, yeah, it does. Here's the two deals. Okay, welcome, true and faithful servant, or away from me, I never knew you. Which do you want? Which do you want? I don't have to have that ultimate fear. I don't have to be afraid of death. Death has been defeated. I myself would rather be healthy, happy, and alive for a little while. So I'm going to examine myself. Why? I don't need to bring chastening. I don't need God. Come on down. Hit me. I don't have to do that. Why? Examine yourselves. Okay? You're going to be chastened. If you pray, if you study the Bible... If you're part of a fellowship, guess what happens? You get chastened. There's things God's going to expose to you. You know, I tell people, people say, well, you struggle with baptism. I don't struggle with baptism. Why? Wait till he messes with your pride. Baptism is a piece of cake. Pride is a drag. And yet, why? I will conform you into the image of God. Let us examine ourselves. He closes with this. <clears throat> Verses 33 and 34. I don't want you to be condemned. 
So judge yourself. All right. Verse 33 says, brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. Do not despise the body of Christ. Do not despise people who don't have. Be united. Show the one mind, the one judgment that he talks about in chapter 1 of this book. Show that. Why? Show that you are not a vain conceit or selfish ambition, but you consider others more important than yourself. Do that. Do that. And this will help you. This helps examine you. And he says, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. I mean, if you're just so famished and I can't wait for the potluck, eat a bigger breakfast. And do it before you come. Do it before you come. So that you will not come together for krima, for chastening. You're coming together to be chastened. Look, to, look for a brother and get this straightened out, he's saying, Paul says. Stop coming together for chastening. And he says here, and he concludes with the remaining manners, I will arrange when I come. I don't know what the rest of the problems were. Okay. But I can tell you this, with what I've seen to date, nothing would surprise me. All of this is to surmise this. God is very, very, very serious about how the Lord's table is treated. It's just not something you do at the first of the month. It's not an afterthought. It should be something that has a focus. And when we share in the Lord's table, which I believe is next Sunday, when we share in the Lord's table, I trust either none of you will be here or those who are here have gone through a self-examination. Please hear this part. Examine your own heart. Okay? Your own heart. Don't worry about your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Examine your own heart. Please. Please. We, have, we are so wondrous at helping everybody else's heart. We are just so successful at it too. Okay? How many of you have heard, judge not lest you be judged? Crazy Christians all running around judging each other. Read the rest of it. It says you're supposed to judge others. But it says you better make sure you ain't got a beam in your eye if you're trying to get a speck out of a brother's eye. What is that? That's self-examination. That's self-examination. What is my attitudes? What are my motives? When I come to the Lord's table, how have I treated the brothers and the sister that God has entrusted me with? How have I trust, treated this wondrous word of God that he's entrusted us with? How have I tr- entrusted, the, how have I treated this ministry that he's given me? How have I done that? Have I been thankful? Have I been praising? Have I been walking worthy? Then, Partake of the Lord's table. And you will come at a point of contact with the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ in a way I guarantee you to use a teriology will freak you out because I understand the cross 
and the shedding of his blood was for me. It's for me. It's extremely personal. It's for me. Let's pray. Father, praise you for your word. We praise you for the amazing things that you do. Lord, I pray that our ears have heard. I pray that our hearts are uplifted. And Father, I pray as I was chastened by this text that others were chastened. That Father, we can take joy in the text. We can take joy in your mercies that are new every day. We can take joy in the grace that is poured from your heavens. And Father, we can lean full weight upon you and you alone. Father, let us be desperate. Father, let us be diligent. Father, let us desire you with every, every breath you grace us. Till that day our faith becomes sight, Lord. Let us press on for the upward calling of Jesus Christ. Overwhelm us with your love. Overwhelm us with your beauty, your majesty, and your power. To your praise, to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.